I'm standing here. I wanna look you in the eye. Hey friends, today is a very special day because my friend Becky interviewed me about my book that's coming out this coming Tuesday. The book's called Whole, Restoring What's Broken in Me, You, and the Entire World. And you can get it by going to any of the places that you like buying books. Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Books A Million, Nav Press, any of those sites. You can also go to steveweens.com slash whole and you will see all the links to order it there. Uh, this conversation was so fun and it went about an hour. So we split it up into two parts. Today you will be listening to part one. So enjoy, my friends, and then go out and get my book. <laughs> enjoy. Hi, Becky. Hi, Steve. And hi, Isaac. Hello, podcast hi. community. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Steve and Becky. I, am, I love it that Isaac is joining me, my 10-year-old, and I also love it that my dear friend Becky is joining me. We're going to talk about Hole today. Uh, I asked Becky to, she read it, and um, I asked her to ask me a bunch of questions. So we're going to talk about Hole, and uh, let's go. Okay. Well, I want to start first. I don't, know, I don't know if this is an easy question or a hard question, but the first one I want to start with is, um, this is your second book. Yep. So anybody who hasn't read the first one, you need to go get the first one and get it, <laughs> get it read, because you're going to enjoy it even more. But this is your second book, so what is different about this book being published versus the first one? What are you experiencing that's different? Wow. The first book, I th Beginnings, um, flowed out of me so kind of easily, actually. Uh, I had a real concrete idea what I wanted to do with it. And um, I think it's a common experience for authors when they're writing their first book. I don't know if you mm -hmm. felt like this when you wrote yours, but you know, all your stories are, no one knows them. So you can cherry pick your best ones. But there's a little bit of fear also. <laughs> oh, that, oh my totally. gosh, we're going to run out of stories. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think, I think one thing was writing whole was really difficult. Um, this one, there was times where I really felt lost. Uh, there was times when I wrote a bunch and then discarded it all. Uh, the first draft of it that I turned in to my editor and my wife, Mary, who's my uh, unpaid editor, mm -hmm. uh, they both came back and said, e I like it, but it's really actually too raw. Mm -hmm. um, there are some things in there that um, I'm not sure if you really want to want to talk about. And I think. Once you read the finished product of the book, you'll, you'll, I think, I mean, people have said, wow, it's pretty vulnerable. So, mm -hmm. um, I think writing the second one felt a whole lot more, um, vulnerable and it required, um, me to go to a place, um, and then to come back from it a little bit, like to go, I had to go farther than I wanted to go mm -hmm. and then to pull back a little bit to really, um, sh share, um, I guess the kinds of things that, um, felt really real and true, but weren't, um, weren't too far or maybe not true yet. Hmm. So in so many ways, what you're talking about is you actually went through 
a wilderness experience. You had to leave something. You went through a wilderness experience in order to enter into a promised land, which is some of what the book talks about. So we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. But you actually had to go deep into the process. Deeper into the process, the more vulnerable you went um, was not so much about what you were writing, but it was about what you ultimately would give. Yeah, I think so. Um, In the second half of the book, as you referenced, I, I talk about there's three parts to the second half. It's um, the exodus, the wilderness, and the promised land. And the exodus is essentially the story of leaving that thing which is trapping you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can leave it, and you can want to leave it, but once once you've left it, you find that it's still in you. Um, and so I think, um, and I guess the, the other thing that I would say, quite honestly, is when I wrote Beginnings, um, I mean, this is a little embarrassing to admit, but I was really hoping it would just explode. I mean, you know that it, mm-hmm. meaning lots and lots of people would love it and lots and lots of people would talk about it and it did fine, but it certainly didn't explode. And mm-hmm. I think part of what, what I had to struggle with in the wilderness of whole is, um, am I going to be true to my voice and my story or am I going to try to write a book that explodes? Mm-hmm. Um, and breaks records. However you do that, I don't even know how you do that. But um, so, yes, I, I, I think I did have to wrestle through uh, some demons in, mm-hmm. in the wilderness when I was writing this one. Yeah, which is, I'm going to quote you here. Yeah. This is on page 29 for anybody who has the book. Okay. Um, There's something terrifying about giving your best to God when you don't know how you'll get what you need. Yeah. That's a terrifying statement. Yeah. And that's what you had to do with whole was, yeah, you don't know, give my best. And I don't know. That's what you did with beginnings. Yeah. And, and that's, that comes out of the story that I write about Cain and Abel mm-hmm. and who knows what the story of Cain and Abel is about. I mean, it's really an odd story, um, but it's it really about, is because it picks up in the middle of grown men's lives yeah. that you have no idea where they're at or what's going on, right. which I love that you pointed out. Yeah. All of a sudden Adam and Eve have these boys, but they're adults now and they're working the land and they're, and Abel apparently does give his best. Um, and Cain apparently doesn't, and we don't know how or why, but it's, it's Abel who, who gets killed. Abel gives his best and he gets killed. Mm -hmm. So I had to wrestle that one down. (laughs) Like, you know, because I think we have a, we have a belief in the Christian community, especially that if we really give our lives over to God and if we give our best, things were going to work out pretty well for us. Well, that's a theology that's actually out there. Yeah. And it's prevalent. So it's not just, it is, it is real. Yeah. 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 Minor interruption. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's real. And that doesn't mean that, I also don't think it means that when we give our best to God and we follow God, then the worst is going to happen because that's another theology that mm-hmm. that goes out there is that we're martyrs all the time. There's no joy and there's no contentment. See you, buddy. See you, David. Hi, Isaac. Love you. See you. Have Goodbye, fun. Bye, people of the, 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 the podcast community. <laughs> have a good time. I will, podcast community. <laughs> oh, love it. Um, you know, uh, I'm going to 
take just a little bit of it. I want to go back to something that you said earlier. Yeah. I'm just tying the two books together because version one of the book, I mean, we talked about this. You re- It was really edited down. Yeah. And I think one of the things that in Christian communities, a lot of times we hear over and over again that we need to be vulnerable. Yeah. That vulnerability is about telling it all and we get it out there. And so I'd like for you to address just a little bit one of the things you experienced in from book one, I mean, from first version of the book to this version of the book and uh, a conversation that we had about the difference between authenticity and vulnerability. Mm. And the fact that in Christian communities too often we opt for vulnerability being tell all versus the wisdom of what is coming forth right now. Yeah, um, because of great thinkers and writers like Brene Brown and others, vulnerability is sort of the word that's out there that's almost, um, now Brene Brown doesn't mean it this way, but I think in terms of writing and preaching, vulnerability is a marketing tool, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, The more vulnerable, and I'm putting air quotes around that word, Mm -hmm. we can get, the more people will like whatever it is that we're selling, and so. Um, and the less vulnerable, meaning that we're tr- we have something to hide. Right. That I mean, that's kind of the tagline that would go underneath there. Right. So I think what we have sometimes, and I was falling into this trap even in the beginning of writing this book whole, was uh, honesty at all costs, even when it's just a quarter baked. You know, so there was a couple of experiences that I wrote about in my book um, that again, after careful reading and very kindly, uh, my wife and my editor, Dave, who I love, said, did they just ask me the question, do you, do you really, is that really what you want to share? Are you really ready to share that? And now everyone's going to be thinking, what is it? What is it? Well, you're not going to know because I <laughs> did take it out. You have to wait for book three. <laughs> yeah, book three. <laughs> or four. And, but I thought I was ready. You know, mm-hmm. that was, when I was writing it, I really thought, no, I'm writing this because this is coming from a real place. Mm-hmm. And I think it really was. But what I found is there there, there really is a wisdom of knowing the, what stories are for your journal mm-hmm. or for a really close friend and what stories are there to be published. And I was talking to one of my other author friends. And he said, oh, yeah, once you share about this particular thing, um, whatever it is, the bell has rung and you mm-hmm. can't unring it. That's powerful. And that's okay. If you want to share that, mm-hmm. you can. Um, but then my advice would be um, to writers or preachers, if it's something that is pretty fresh in you mm-hmm. and maybe it's an invitation from God to go somewhere that's scary, a, a wilderness journey, so to speak, um, be, ask someone that really knows you, mm-hmm. am I ready to share this yet? And then if they say, no, I don't think you are, I would say, listen to that. Well, and I think that I'm, my other question to you in that is in the Christian community, I believe we've had a lot, and this is my language. Yeah. I think we've had a lot of spiritual bulimia Ooh. where we take something in and we feel like, oh, okay, um, I'm ready with that. And we spit it back out before it's ever had time to nourish us, to be digested in us, and to be absorbed into us. Yeah. And there is a difference, and there's wisdom in knowing where and when yeah. those things are a part of us. But you said something very key, and this is part of my question, 
and it's also part of the statement is yeah. like the reality is is to do that in community yeah which who are who is your community yeah who can you do that with and um what wisdom is there in learning those places because i'm sure in the process of this in your process of your wholeness journey you've experienced some pretty deep wounds oh yeah. some of the things that you've shared oh yeah at different times oh yeah um both intentionally and unintentionally there are some things that i knew um uh, when i shared them it was going to cause some backlash um for example just and i i don't know if this is vulnerability or not but there just are certain things um anything around um white fragility or racism or any, anything like that that you feel like you have some challenge that you want to bring um uh, there's just immediate immediate backlash uh, and there's other there's other things like that too but then there's also some things i i, I experienced something just recently where um something i wrote hurt someone and i didn't know that it was going to hurt them but it did and so, and I don't think you can always, like, you can't as a writer make the promise that you'll never hurt someone else in your writing. Because some of it is, your story is partly your story. It involves mm -hmm. them. And then you're going to share that. And at, at time, you know, and you've got to be really careful about what you share and what you don't share. But sometimes you're just going to hurt um, people by, by what you write. And I don't know how to take that away. From that that's the risk of writing well and that's gonna lead me to another quote I love this you're leading into healing and wholeness that comes not by erasing your pain comes not by erasing your pain but by meeting God in that pain and being known as God's beloved mm. is there you're right you're gonna hurt people I we, we hurt people not intentionally I don't think really people intentionally try to hurt there are some who yeah. do but I don't think overall but I think that there, you're bringing up a really important point is this is your story and this is your perspective because every time we have an interchange with someone, there are two sides to yeah. it. And we don't know really what's going on on the other side, do we? No. We don't. And that's part of the mystery and part of the joy. And anyway, so um, I'm gonna, another quote that I love, uh, sometimes our true secrets, and this is in line with the vein of how much vulnerability, what's authenticity. So this is on page 52. And what are you seeking? That's one of the chapter headings, just so everybody knows. Sometimes our true secrets, the ones we need to tell in order to change the world, are revealed by catastrophic fall or devastating disappointment. Yeah. And so that comes from in the preface, I write about my one of my best friends, Stefan, preached a message many years ago, and he started the message with this. I have a secret. And then he left this huge pause and like the whole big room was mm -hmm. just waiting. I was there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he said, I want to change the world. And he was wise enough even at the moment to know that some people were going to, were going to think, oh, you idealistic young person, mm -hmm. you. But then he went on to share about how it is that he thought the world would change. And it was very appropriately vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Um, and so one of the questions that I ask in this book is, what is the deep secret in your heart that you want to share? Mm -hmm. And again, like vulnerability, it, it, it like that doesn't necessarily lead to a life full of 
fun and big stages and everyone appreciating your secret. Many times when you really connect with the secret that you want to bring out, um, you get, um, I think it was Rob Bell that says, when you write a book, you want to get reviews. You want, you want to get mm -hmm. five stars and one star, fives and ones. Nothing in between. Right. Three is, yeah. who cares? Yeah. Like if someone reads your book and gives you a three, um, that means you didn't probably go there. They either love or it. Or they didn't. Or they didn't go there. True. Yeah. True. But um, the point is, when you really get close to what I believe, um, the secret that you want to share is what God has put in you um, in order to make the world whole. Mm -hmm. And there will be, be people who rise to that. And there will be people who um, get really threatened by that. And that's my experience. Um, and so the question is, will you keep going down the road of that secret that'll bring wholeness? Mm -hmm. And by secret, again, I don't mean like your deepest, darkest, you know, see, I mean the thing like my friend Stefan, like I, I, I need to tell you the secret of how I think the world is going to be made whole. Mm -hmm. And then you got to go there. Um, so I have lots of friends who have left things and mm -hmm. people have misunder been misunderstood and leaving things, meaning sometimes churches, sometimes friendships, sometimes, you know, because yeah. they could no longer um, feel safe telling their secret in that place. Which is a place of brokenness. Yeah before you can be made whole right and that's so that goes back to the quote yeah that i think oftentimes i'm not going to say every time because i don't think you ever can say every time but it will it will bring you through a deep dark well of pain mm -hmm. um and and restoration does not mean that you have no scar doesn't mean your skin is without a scar. Okay, which brings me to something that I think is very profound. Jesus even valued scars. Yeah. Jesus, if Jesus could literally rise from the dead, Jesus could have cleaned up that body, right? Yeah. But Jesus chose to keep the scars. So what do the scars often have to tell us? They have a story to tell. Yeah. Which I think is so important. And that's what I love in this book over and over again. You're using your story. Yeah. But you're also, there is not a story told in here that doesn't involve somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. I mean, I really do with people's permission. Um, I really do write a lot about other people, um, mm -hmm. and the pain mainly that they, <laughs> that they've gone through. Well, they've gone through, but also I want to say that you've written vulnerably about the intersection of their pain and your pain. Oh yeah. Sometimes yeah. pain that other people have caused you, but other places where people you've been able to be the support for somebody else. But there's just like this beautiful flowing mm. of real life that's going on and yeah. real people. Yeah. These are real everyday things that were going on. Um, some of them, I mean, I can attest to the fact that you chose to stay in the pain. Yeah. And it was hard at times, Steve. Yeah. It was hard, but it was authentic. And I think I want to say, I want to say something about that. Um, when you go through something hard, you, if you face it, there will be a part of you that wants to give up and wants to bail and wants to just jettison the whole program. And when that happens, don't don't feel even bad. Um, don't bail, but you know, find some comfort in the fact that even Jesus, if I read the Bible right, uh, which I don't always, but in the garden, let this cup 
pass from me. Mm-hmm. If it's your will, God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I want to run. Yeah, which we all do want to run at some point. There's a, you talk about here, this is a quote from page 100. You said, when you're trying to walk out of slavery and into freedom and you're terrified, there's a radical trust you need to inhabit. Yeah, yeah. Which is directly what you're saying. You can't, I mean, the, knowing that this is scary is a part of knowing you have to, you get an opportunity to walk through it. Yeah, I, I, and um, um, when you're walking out of something that's difficult and into something new, I write about this elsewhere in the book, and I can't really remember where, but it's, um, you most likely think you know what to bring to that new place, but you really don't. Um, <laughs> you really can only learn it by going there. I got a quote. Okay. I'll tell you, it's in What Will You Bring? Okay. That's what you're writing. And it's page 79. There's a certain kind of wisdom that is only gained by finding out what you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what the, this whole chapter, I mean, What Will You Bring is the chapter. And you have to lay down before. I mean, we think we know what we need. Yeah. We think we know. And you you do this wonderful story about going surfing (laughs) (laughs) yeah and the and what you're supposed to bring that you have no idea you're supposed to bring yeah um so re i mean i'll 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 tell part of the story but i was going surfing in laguna beach with my Mm -hmm. friend charlie i write about this in um i think it's chapter five but um i so we got an email you know we signed up for it paid 50 Mm -hmm. bucks and we got an email saying hey bring your towel bring your sunscreen and then comma etc etc and when i thought about that for a while i thought the etc is the powerful thing because what it means is every single one of us is going to have to bring some things that we don't even know what it is but they're essential to what we're going to need once we get there but Mm -hmm. the problem is you don't even know what it is until you're in the water trying to surf and failing and then you realize band-aids it's <laughs> yeah i mean yeah i mean or any number of things and it's different for all of us right so what is your etc is one of uh the questions that has stayed with me actually during you know after writing this book like what like in this conversation in this day in this in this meeting what is the etc and again the ironic twist to that question is you really don't know what it is you just have to mm-hmm. come believing that you can receive something in the moment that you didn't know that you needed but Mm -hmm. there it is and that's the etc yeah but the etc isn't revealed until you're actually in there (laughs) yeah exactly but that's and that's scary but it's but there's also this element of trust that it's actually there it'll be there when it's needed yeah which i think is powerful okay so in light with that goes along with that um what is a recent wisdom you have acquired that you didn't know before Oh my goodness, what a question. I did not, Steve has not heard my questions, yeah. just so you know that. Mm-hmm. This is, I did give him the option, but. Well, I'll, I'll, um, I will talk about sin. <laughs> so, <clears throat> for reasons that I shall not go into, I've been thinking a whole lot about sin lately, and I write about that in the book. I think sin is one of those grenades um, that maybe take you out. Maybe even as I just said that, it's like, oh my gosh. Um, But 
on the other hand, like what else would you call rape? You know, mm-hmm. like what else would you call when one person dominates someone else in, in any arena? What else would you call the violence of war? What else would you call the effects of, you know, kids wandering around Syria mm-hmm. um, because their parents died? Yeah. Um, and now they're orphans wandering the street, living on the street. I mean, what else would you call the like what caused that? Mm-hmm. And so I think a piece of wisdom that um, I got around sin because you can you can talk about sin about you know the the, the things that I did today, um, and and yeah, those are the things. But the definition that I got that I've been sitting on is sin is self preservation at all costs. Mm-hmm. And so let that sink in for a little bit. Sin is self preservation at all costs. There's so many things behind that. It means it's up to me to make sure that I sustain myself. And I'm going to do that by being whatever it is that I need to be with whomever I need to be it with in order to make sure that I end up on top. Well, and it's so I focused. Yeah. It's, it's me. so I focused. Right. But like when you think like, so if you started your day, if you ended your day, not in some really weird guilt-ridden way, but just in a real open my eyes way. Mm-hmm. In what ways did it was I focused on self-preservation today? Mm-hmm. Instead of wholeness, restoration. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not talking about just thinking about other people all the time. No, that's a bind. It's, it's not selfishness or thinking about other people. That's a binary, that's a false bifurcation. Mm-hmm. But it is like, what is it? And, and what would it mean for me instead of going towards self-preservation to go the next click into what, who or what can I trust in order to take my hands off the preservation cycle? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a friend. And don't even go to God right away. Maybe, maybe it is God. And that, that, that would be the Well, that's know, the, the answer, answer. Right? Okay. But a friend. Mm-hmm. Um. I remember one time, this was years ago, and I was in a, um, a weekend setting, about 12 of us guys. And my friend noticed I wasn't really speaking much, you know. He goes, what's going on, you know, like in, in group settings? And, and, and I go, oh, I really feel like God told me to, to shut up because I can really dominate and, you know, conversations. And, and he goes, what? He goes, I, I, I just disagree. He goes, I think you're... I think you need to speak up. And if I feel like you're dominating, how about I tell you? Wow. Yeah. And it totally freed me up. Um, now, do, do you sometimes hear something from, from God that, yeah, but this was one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. And if that really was from God, mm-hmm. I need to trust that he would have gone like, yeah, okay, well, I see that. I think well, that's good. My good question, to know. my question is, how often does shame disguise itself as, as God's God. voice? Exactly. Because if, and this is one of the ways we know, is we feel bad. Yeah. I think we really feel bad. And I, you're, you're you know, you're going to have to already edit this book because your definition that you give for sin is <laughs> legitimate longings that have gone astray. Which um, I think it's t- they tie in yeah. because I think longing and long there's self preservation for yeah. longing. A lot, lot, one of our longings is, but I think in that situation, there was this, I do see in you, Steve, a real longing to be in a conversation, in a dialogue and, but shame was trying to take you out of the conversation. Yeah. By saying, 
you're arrogant and you're mm-hmm. absolutely. I absolutely agree. And by the way, that definition from sin, I just don't want to own that. It, it, it came, I mean, because it wasn't mine. It, it came from my friends um, at the Sanctuary Covenant Church in Providence, Rhode Island. Oh, really? Andrew, okay. And I, oh, okay. I mean, I wrote that. Like, oh, I, I missed that. I did give okay. that credit just, just so people know. Yes, um, good, good. But wonderful church in Providence. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but it's actually very connected. Yeah. I think it's very, very connected. Um, I, I, I'm going to go another quote. One of my the quotes that I've got on page, you've got on page 11, it says, sin isn't the first thing about being human. Yeah. The first thing about being human is living with God and with one another in the radical vulnerability of complete trust. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, again, I think um, it's unfortunate that some of the some of the most vocal Bible people out there mm-hmm. uh, write and talk and think as if the first thing that's true about human beings is our sinfulness. And I just, that's absolutely not the story. Is sin part of our story? Yes. Is it a big train wreck? Yes. Again, why? what else would you call all those things I mentioned before? But Genesis 1 and 2, like there's, there's that, those are huge, huge chapters. We kind of skip over those chapters, <laughs> my two favorite chapters of the whole Bible, but we skip over yeah. them. We so really do. Here's the, you know, and whatever you want to believe about, was it a literal man? And, yeah. and I mean, I, I honestly, we can, we can wrestle with that. Mm-hmm. The truth is that the, the, the writers, I believe inspired by God, were trying to tell a story mm-hmm. of what it means that, um, God, who is Trinity, who is relationship, let us make humankind in our image, mm-hmm. um, created a way for human beings, the creation, to enter into that radical relationship. And, it, and, and I think the nature of God is radical, vulnerable trust. Well, um, and to the, so which is, I'm sorry to yeah. interrupt you. No, no, go ahead. Okay. But you know, I, I'm thinking of something that you, because you've said there, we were made in God's own image. And I've never thought about it this way, but all that preaching and teaching around or theology around that we're sinful beings first. Yeah. Um, well, no, what, what about the verse? We are made in God's own yeah. image. God's not sin based. Right. But we, so I think there's something profound in that is, but I think it takes us back to the vulnerability of how we view God. Yeah. And how we view relationships with one another, because yeah. in relationships we're going to hurt one another. I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's part of our brokenness that um, ultimately needs to be healed. Yeah, and that's what the journey is really more about. Yeah, and when we do he- hurt one another, mm-hmm. then we make vows: I will never do that again. I will never open up like that again. I will never. Um, you know, and again, self-preservation at all costs. So yeah. the so, next, the next relationship, no way am I going to go there. Yeah. Um, and that's insidious. And, and I think we really think God is looking, I, I, I think most of us, honestly, even those of us who've read Brendan Manning and <laughs> Philip Yancey, uh, uh, and Henry Nowen and all the, all the people that talk about God's love. Most of us, just underneath the surface, really believe is God is just waiting to get us. I mean, I, I really think that's true. Do you I think, really? Yeah, I really do. I really do. I don't think it's true that God is just waiting to get us. But I think most of us are just so afraid that, you know. I mean, I was 
you weren't there, but in in my message this weekend, Becky. At, yeah, at, thank you for this. Uh, yeah, I wasn't there. Yeah, okay. you, yeah. you were you were at your you were at your mother in law's wedding. I know your eighty nine year old, eighty eight year old. Yeah, so awesome. Yeah, so it was awesome. Yeah, but um, there was this question of because um, I was preaching on Romans eight, which is all about God's unending, enduring love. Yeah, and um, I asked the question. Why is that so hard to believe? And people kind of hemmed and hawed, but I think it's because essentially we don't expect to be liked and loved by God. We expect to be taken out behind the barn and punished for something. Yeah, which goes back to what we talked about before about knowing your own belovedness and God is part of it, takes a radical trust. Yeah. Radical trust. Because I just don't, well, I I think the moments that I get to live in those moments of really, truly believing it, I'm saying moments, yeah. they make me hungry for more of those moments. Yeah. I, I really do. Yeah. So there is something, yeah, you're, okay. I'm not I'm not sure that I totally agree with you on that, but that's okay. You don't have to. I don't have, have to, to agree with you on yeah. everything. That's part of the beauty of our mm-hmm. relationship. Well, that was a lot of fun for me. That was part one. Make sure to come back next week to check out part two and go to steveweens.com slash whole to check out all of the good stuff about this book. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being in it together. We are dust and breath. We are limited and limitless. We are human and holy, and we are in it together. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow me on Facebook at Steve Weens Author. Twitter at Steve Weens and Instagram at Steve Weens. And you can find all my work, all my books, the show notes, all kinds of other fun stuff on my website, steveweens.com. And please consider supporting me on Patreon. Lots of fun benefits for all levels of patrons. Check it out at patreon.com slash this good word. The truth was you knew you were losing that fight in your suburban back.